You're listening to the Take Him With You podcast with Rick and Amy on the Stitcher Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's January 27th. This is the Take Him With You podcast, episode number 208. I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're going to have a great time uh, today. I got something really special to play for you. I think you're going to really like it. So stick around. saxophone playing a yeah i wasn't quite sure how to respond to the a i thought i'd move it's because i did a podcast um tonight with um my friend joe from canada oh okay that explains he doesn't say a very much though okay good i guess i did the ragtag fugitive podcast with my friend chris from florida who is my co-host and then my friend um, Joe, who is from Canada, also guest hosted with us, and we had a great time. You had a good, good time. What what um, show did you talk about? Uh, this was called the Young Lords, and it's the one where uh, all of us guys were in love with the lady that wore the. Uh, remember the one where the, there's kids on the planet, the swamp planet. This is Battlestar Galactica, the old series. And they have to recite a poem to defeat the Cylons. You know, that must not have be, been one and of my favorite. the blonde-haired girl with the bikini on. You know, somehow I didn't remember that quite like you did, I guess. Yeah, I was 11 or 12, I think, when I saw it. Yeah, I don't recall that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They had unicorns, I... too. Unicorns. Oh, okay. I, I maybe would remember it if I watched some of it, but... Yeah, not a lot. So, um, what else have you done this week? Oh boy, uh, I've been really busy again. It's mm-hmm. been a, it's been good. I've been having lots. I've been working on a, a big contract, getting a big contract from a company. Kind of a long demo for an audition, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Not kind of. Yeah, it is. But if I get it, then it's a whole month's worth of work. Which it's actually be... a little bit more than a month of work. Which would be really nice, but yeah, that'd be, be sweet. Yeah. Be so let's hope for that. But I also um, worked on a couple of video games this week, and had a couple of other things that I was uh, finishing up for some clients. Finished up my insults. I got all my insults done. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And uh, on top of all that, I've been learning new things about my music program. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And it was my son's birthday. Yeah, just Nathan just yesterday. turned twenty three. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a father of a twenty three year old, and yeah. my son Andrew had his girlfriend from Georgia fly all the way up and spent a week with us. So we got to meet her, and we did a bunch of special things. And I did a lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. I cook some too. Mm-hmm. But I cooked a bunch of food and. Uh, for dinners and stuff like that, and I think I think she liked him. Liked liked him or liked our cooking. Well, I know she likes him. Eh? Yeah, yeah, she likes some of our cooking. You made um, chicken and and pot pie, what chicken pot pie one time, and she liked that. Yeah, yeah. So and I made some chicken dishes, and I, I made, made Swedish uh, pancakes. Made special dinner for Nathan on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was good. Yeah. So it was a good week. It was busy, but good week. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I just got back from a fundraiser night for Catherine. It was kind of a, yeah, a mini fundraiser night because we practiced. Fundraiser for what? Well, Catherine is wanting to go to Africa this summer to help build a school and um, in Senegal, West Africa. And so it costs a lot of money to get your child to West Africa. So we are trying to do as many fundraisers as we can. So I think we, she's doing the fundraisers. Yeah. I'm not doing the fundraisers. Well, kind of. You know, when you're the mom and your child's doing something, you're helping with fundraisers too. So Okay. So I went with her, and it was it was quite fun. I've um, we played this dice game, and everyone put money in for the trip, for the fundraiser, and and there were a few little prizes that we could that people donated, uh-huh. and um, but all the money that came in went straight for the mission trip. So I think they only brought in about fifty dollars tonight, but it was kind of a pre-run. Um, in February, hmm, I'm not sure, I think maybe February 19th or something like that. Or I, I don't know, I have the calendar in front of me. Sometime in February, we're going to have a, a girls' night and hopefully get about 40 people or so um, there to What's the play. website people can go learn more about our trip? It, I don't know. You made the donate domain up it is um send me to africa.com or something or help me get to africa.com there you go okay it's help me get to africa.com mm-hmm. and um you're welcome to go see there it's got links to the um organization's website that is building the school and um so Catherine's pretty excited i have to get on the ball and help her find her birth certificate so we can get her passport here soon and um, take her up to Olympia to get her immunizations and sounds like fun ah all those fun things and continue the fundraising because she's she's raised about five hundred dollars and she needs about thirty five hundred dollars for the trip it's not real cheap to go to Africa but I believe it'll be a life-changing experience for her she hasn't um been anywhere further than Southern California one time when her grandma took her to Disneyland. Um, that's the furthest away from home she's been. So um, this will be kind of not only a long trip, but she'll get to see a different culture and all um, that jazz. Yeah, and and help help um, get a school built for for people that might not be able to afford to do that themselves so it'll be a neat project for her to be involved in sure yeah pretty cool so if you want more information you can go help me get to africa dot, dot com dot com yeah i sing everything now yeah you do but so that's does my daughter because what i do yeah i do it for a living yeah that's so right. you've been working 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 you know part of it is paid jobs and part of it is is working on getting other jobs but it's all work and um so yeah. you've been very very busy and tomorrow we're gonna get well, actually up early. today yeah today as you're listening to it but as we're recording it we're recording it saturday night and yeah. we'll be getting up early sunday we to are? 
travel down to Raymond. I didn't know we were getting up early. Well, I know you, and you're going to be working on projects late tonight, so you'll be getting up early to print off your notes, probably, and get everything ready to go to Raymond. Are you singing down there at all, or are you no. just going to preach? I, in fact, I probably won't even do power. I might just do the text on PowerPoint because I'm the what I'm doing on uh, tomorrow morning is a little bit different than what I usually do. So, but I think everybody will like it. So, mm-hmm. it's called "Use It or Lose It." Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to share a couple stories, um, probably generically, like not use people's names. I actually asked like the that. folks that I wanted to share the, the story with. Uh-huh. I asked them if it was okay, so they're going to get back to me. And let me know. Okay. And if they don't say okay, then you're going to have some very generic stories. <laughs> no, I'll just change the stories. <laughs> oh, okay. We have we have so many different people that we have um, had some awesome times with and met over this whole wide world in the last four years that we have story after story of how the podcast has, has uh, gone into people's lives that we never expected to meet. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool, I guess. All right. Okay, so um, yes, Sunday's going to be very busy, and then you're going to come home and continue to work on projects. Well, after we okay, have so lunch here's the deal: I've mom. got like two more demos mm-hmm. to do, and then if those are accepted, then I get the big job. Yeah. If they are not, then you'll be looking for other work soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've already got another couple of jobs in, on the line, so okay. We shall see. You'll see. I met with some folks from Australia today. That was fun. It, every day is in an Aust- They were in Australia. I was in Aberdeen. And Washington. you were connected through the magic of Skype. It's not magic. Okay. It's not magic. The science of Skype? It is not science. Okay, what is it then? It's the internet. Oh, and that's not based on computer science? Well, I never thought about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. It is kind of fascinating that we live in a time when you can be in your house in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and talk real time at the exact same moment. Talk to people that are clear across the globe that on the is other pretty side. Wild. 19 hours ahead of us, mm-hmm. time wise. Yeah. And in a, on different continents. Mm-hmm. And we can talk live back and forth, and I can show them. We actually. Um, I'm doing a song. One, well, I'm doing several things for them, but this particular song I was doing, they, uh, that we actually went through it verse by verse, over Skype, and they made <laughs> suggestions on what they wanted it to sound like. Mm-hmm. So I took notes, and I was able to do the whole song that way. And now I'll change it to what they want and send it to the singer. The singer will put the lyrics on it, and I'll send it back to him, and the song will be done. Yay. But that's cool that you can meet with people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I love what I do. It's a blast. They, In fact, they told me, you really love what you do, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's kind of a cliche anymore, but I've heard it a million times. Well, maybe not a million times, but hundreds of times that if you find something that you really like to do as you know a way to earn your money, then you really don't ever have to work a day in your life. And, you know, I don't believe <laughs> but, that. Yeah. But it, I, I'm it, sorry. Still, that, that's a nice little cliche. It's still but work. But I work my butt off. It's still work, but at least <sighs> it's enjoyable work. It is enjoyable work. And it's just sometimes, I think, in the kind of profession that I do now, 
deadlines are a scary thing. So yeah, it's like, you know, one day it could go really easy and the next day it can be a nightmare. And then if they need it by a certain time, well, that's then it why can be difficult. I'm just praying that special prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. That, that special says, prayer? It says, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because um, I pray that prayer quite a bit because we don't know the end from the beginning. And sometimes you will look at a project and you think, wow, this is going to be a really fun project. I love to do it. But maybe you don't realize like if they want it done in a week or a month and it's a lot of work. Um, I know how to do bids. Yeah. Now. But, but it's challenging because I know one other time you did a bid for something and the guy changed his mind several <coughs> times yeah, and it, it ended up so you, you maybe got $4 an hour. Well, that was early on. <laughs> it was early on and, and, you know, you kind of did a low bid for all the guy wanted you to do and and he was a little bit he changed his persnickety mind. Or, yeah, yeah. or, yeah. And so, you know, you never know. And it usually will even out because sometimes someone will pay you fairly well for just one short song and not want any edits and love it just the way it is mm-hmm. and you're done and you're paid and oh, then other I times smile so much when they do that. and other times it goes on and, and on, on and, and on and, and i guarantee my work so it's difficult yeah. at times and and you like to give people what they want and make sure they're happy and so you put in the extra work i've done over mile. 60 jobs on elance now mm-hmm. and i have Five stars on every one except one, and then I got four point five stars on that one. And, and I think he, and he went nev- and looked at all the And he the never other... gave anybody a five. So yeah. yeah. So he he's a kind of a um not an easy grader, I guess. I would he's... have to have been Morgan Freeman to get five. Maybe. Maybe. And he might not have given him five. I don't know. Yeah, maybe James Earl Jones. <clears throat> Who knows? Never know. So, so yeah, it's been a busy week. Um, yes. You with your job, me with my job, and then having company for a week. Um, yeah. So it was. But it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. And um, yeah, it's yeah. been fun. Sure has. Do you remember playing great PC games like King's Quest, Command and Conquer, and X Wing? Do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and auto exec bat files to eke out just one more K of conventional memory? If you do, then you may be interested in my show, The Upper Memory Block. Every two weeks, we talk in-depth about a game, game series, company, or technology from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We'll discuss the story, gameplay, and technology of the games of the time. But more importantly, we're going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in The Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block Podcast at umbcast.com, or find it on iTunes. Our buddy Joe from Canada. Yeah? He's been doing some really cool shows lately. Yeah, I haven't listened to them for a while. Oh, they're great. I listened you don't to get them at all, I, well, because I've you never listened, played the games. I've listened to a couple of them, but yeah, I was never a classic computer gamer. I mean... Yeah, I unless they had like Tetris or um, I 
yeah, I didn't play any of the games on the computer. But I like playing Scrabble. I did play Scrabble on the computer once yeah. in a while. But yeah. none of the old games that you guys used to play. Yeah. So what are you up to there? What am I up to? I'm about 5'9 mm-hmm. or so. <laughs> okay. Um, it looks like you're looking at a, <coughs> um, a online book. An online uh, well, book? Well, it's a, on my Kindle. Well, I guess you call that an e-book. It's actually my iPad with the Kindle app. Yeah, an e-book. I have that book, too. I know. I gave it to you, yeah, too. Yeah. Look- well, I am uh, I read a book this week that I thought was really, really good, mm-hmm. but it started by me watching a video Yeah. that my friend Brett Hammond, the pastor from uh, Ka- Kansas, Kansas, Illinois. Thank you. And he... Um, He's such a cool guy. Anyway, he posted this this video and I and he said, "Look at watch if you have the time, watch this video. It's really cool." And then he said, "Even if you don't have the time, watch this video." Mm-hmm. And I don't usually do that. I don't usually click on a lot of the videos. I mean, if it looks interesting, I might. But I'm busy. I don't have time to watch all tons of videos, but anyway, I click on it. And it was, I, I was riveted to the video for 30 minutes without budging. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had to go to the bathroom and I waited because I wanted to hear the rest of it. <laughs> okay. And I probably could have just taken it with my iPad, but you know. That's awkward though. That is awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I listened to it and it was so much the heart of what you and I do as a podcast that... I thought, I want to share this with our audience. Then um, I went to the guy's website that shared and found out that he had written a book about this experience that I uh, saw on the video. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the book. I was going to buy the hardback book and they were going to send it, but that was like, we'd have to get here for it. We wouldn't have had it for the podcast. But I saw they had a Kindle version of it. And so Mm -hmm. I... I downloaded it and read it. It's a it's small. It's not a huge book, uh, but I read it and uh, it was really well, good. You say it's not a huge book, but on my Kindle Fire because I have the print so large, it was like eight hundred pages on my Kindle. What? Well, because I have the print per- pretty large. How how many pages is it on there? I don't know how to tell. How do you tell? Um, you click like down here or all right. Oh well. Okay. okay. Right. How many pages does it say? 35 of 860. I read that in a few hours. I guess you did. So you read the whole book? Yeah. Wow. I only read a few pages of it so far, but you just I just opened it up today. How is that possible? I don't know. Wow. I guess I read fast, huh? Yeah. Well, it was really good. And it Anyway, the the gentleman's name um that shared on this Can video Can you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. His his name is Eric Metaxas, and he is uh, he's an author, and he's he's very comedic in his presentation, mm-hmm. and very witty. But he's written for um, he's written a couple books. One of them is called Bonhoeffer um, about. Um, well, he'll talk about that. Yeah, he talks about it in the in the clip here that we play. And he used to write for the New York Times and for VeggieTales. Yes, he did. That, that's but the interesting thing is he got invited to uh, every year around... Um, it's usually in May. 
I don't think it's in May. Yeah, it's the 3rd. Thursday in May or no, Wednesday no, that's in May. not. You're thinking of a completely different thing. That's the okay. National Day of Prayer. That's not what this okay, is. Okay, it's different than the. No, President. I think this one is in uh, in January every year. Okay. Anyway, it's a the uh, White House um, has a breakfast called the Prayer Breakfast, and the President goes to it along with his wife and and they invite like the three, Speaker of the House. There's like three thousand, yeah. four thousand people that go to this breakfast. Mm -hmm. They charge $175 a plate. For breakfast. For breakfast. That's a lot of bacon and eggs. <clears throat> yeah. And like last year or a couple of years ago, they had, well, when Mother Teresa was alive, they had her um, as one of the guest speakers, the keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And they've had all sorts of different, very famous people. And anyway, this guy got invited to speak as the keynote speaker at the at the breakfast the national breakfast. the national breakfast mm -hmm. and that was just like oh my gosh you know it was a huge deal mm -hmm. and it really is a huge deal to be invited to do that and he went ahead and accepted the offer he had done a few gover like governor governor prayer breakfasts and stuff mm -hmm. like that that's how people knew him mm -hmm. and then of well, course probably he had written writing a, for the well he wrote a book about um uh, the emancipation of slavery or the of the slaves mm -hmm. in uh by a particular gentleman here and then also he he's written he anyway wrote a bunch of different stuff and people knew him as an author well he went ahead and went to this and the book is all about the behind the scenes and then he and he actually puts the transcript of what you're going to hear in the book as well okay and so the book was really good because it talks about how he got invited mm -hmm. and the process that led up to him uh, going to share. Then it talks about what happened during the the thing when he got there, mm -hmm. and then and how um, um, Vice President Biden mm -hmm. actually used his iPhone to take a picture of him and the president together. He said it was really awkward and weird, but it was cool. <laughs> and then uh, uh, and then he talks about what happened afterwards and the impact that it made on him. And just it was kind of like a moment in time mm -hmm. when he was able to share his heart with the president of the United States. That doesn't happen every did day. Did you say the name of the book? The name of the, the book is No Pressure, Mr. President, The Power of True Belief in a Time of Crisis. And, and the reason it's called No Pressure, Mr. President, is because he makes a comment during his uh, little speech, which, by the way, is very entertaining, uh, that George W. Bush read his book mm -hmm. and 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 other people that are famous has have read his book and and he goes but no pressure mr president and, and of course everybody and everybody <laughs>, laughs and then he he goes in fact i've got a signed copy for you and he hands it to the president yeah and it's so funny because if you when you see you won't see the video on our program today obviously but the video is so funny because everybody just erupts into laughter and it it was done in such a fun way. Well, and you, and then it, it was kind of fun to <coughs> see um, President Obama cracking up and having a good time hearing this because you know a lot of times we see him on TV when he's you know has a well that sad and, announcement that and to make. Let's, let's or, get down you know, to it. A lot of times when you see um, a televised prayer thing, mm -hmm. it's usually very somber and very. Oh, Lord, earth, we gathereth today in thy mercy. You know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so it's real formal and everything. Mm -hmm. This guy, without being um, crass or uh, what do you call it? when somebody, Disrespectful. Disrespectful or, or 
he didn't he didn't come across that way to mm-hmm. me at all. Uh, but he was very, he was as close to what you know. I wish I could be as talented as he was because he was really good. But but it was as close to as if I had a chance to share in front of the whole nation something I would have said very similar to what he said because I thought even though he you know he wrote books I haven't written any books and stuff like mm-hmm. that but what the premise of what he said was was what I say a lot and that is the difference between a relationship with God and a dead religion and the, and there's a big difference between just you know what people call religion today and what a relationship is and he defined that very well in front of a group of people that probably don't hear that a lot mm-hmm. and but he did it in such a way and he stood up for what he believed in, but he was never harsh or mean. And it was funny. And I thought it was just a delightful talk, and I was inspired by it. So, Brett, thank you for sharing it with me. And if you want to get his book, it's really easy. I think I paid $5 on the Kindle for it, or maybe even 4 But it's Eric Metaxas. And it's, no spell, pressure. it's spelled M-E-T-A-X-A-S. It's a, I believe, well, you'll hear name. It. Yeah. 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 It's so. pretty funny. So we're going to play the the audio from last year's prayer breakfast at the. And now don't now don't turn this off. You want to listen because it's really good. Trust me on this. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Amy. You, well, you can talk about it when we're when yeah. we play it. OK, we'll talk so about it here right. it is um, in its entirety. Uh, it's not very long. It's it's I think it's less than 30 minutes. So. Um, take a listen. Let me know what you think, and we'll be right. We'll be back at the very end of it to say goodbye, and uh, talk a little bit more about it. Well, good morning to all of you, honored guests uh, from around the world, from this great nation, mostly. Um, to our president and first lady. What an honor to be here. Now I have to ask, uh, <clears throat> I want to know how many people are here this morning. If you don't mind, just indulge me. Would you raise your hand if you're here and I just want to get a quick... <laughs> okay, that was four. All right. Well, they said 4,000. Um, <clears throat> let me just say up front, uh, I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> but it is nonetheless an honor to speak at this august, extraordinarily early uh, gathering. Um, now, I, I know it's an august gathering because they charged $175 for breakfast. I, I, I don't want to start out by being negative, but I, I think there may be some kind of um, money laundering thing kind of <laughs> happening here. I, I, I'm speaking truth to power, people. The price gouging, it needs to stop. Even as a member of the elite 1%, I cannot afford this. But, you know, we, we joke. Yeah. We joke, we joke, but, um, thank you. We joke, but, uh, seriously, I, I know who puts these events on. They are a highly secret, indeed a nefarious organization. They call themselves the family, yes, a nefarious organization. They call themselves the family, yes. The family. You see, the family not only runs this event, they run everything that's happening in the world. We, and of course, I mean the President and I most specifically, are all their puppets. <clears throat> the, the, the President knows what I mean. He cannot admit this publicly, obviously. But appearing here this morning, we're, we're simply doing their bidding. Um, 
Every U.S. president has been elected by them, <laughs> except for Warren G. Harding. No one knows how uh, Warren Harding was able to buck that trend, but we know that he paid dearly for it, most notably by being saddled with the name Warren G. Harding. Uh, quick word on the dais thing up here. I'm not a politician, so when I see a dais like this, I immediately think of those wonderful Dean Martin roasts from the 70s. That was my, my favorite show next to Sanford and Son. I'm being honest with you now. And, and forgive me if, if I pretend uh, that I'm up here with Ruth, Ruth Buzzy, Bob Hope, Jimmy Stewart, uh, Red Buttons, Charlie Callis, Foster Brooks, and Rich Little. That's, I'm being honest, that's who I wish were up here. Uh, and to those of you who are actually up here, uh, I, I apologize from the bottom of Don Rickles' heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, it's National Prayer Breakfast. Maybe we should get serious and say something about prayer. Nah. Uh, okay, seriously though, what is prayer? The real question is, what is, what is prayer? Prayer is real faith in God. It is not phony religiosity. It is not, oh, wouldst thou, O oh, sovereign of the universe, take this archaic verbiage as evidence that we believe that thou art an old-fashioned and unpleasant and easily annoyed and even cranky deity and that to get thy magnificent attention and so as not to annoy thee, we must needs employ wooden and archaic and religious-sounding language. That, my friends, is not prayer. That uh, is, to use the current terminology, a lot of pious baloney. Who, who said that? I, I believe it was Nancy Pelosi. It was, some, it was someone on the couch. I can't remember. Um, but the point is, pious baloney is not prayer. It's not faith in the God of Scripture. Uh, imagine talking to Jesus that way. He'd almost laugh at you. Imagine if we talked to him that way. Prayers from the heart. We don't try to fool God with phony religiosity. Adam and Eve tried that with a fig leaf once. Did not go so well. Um, and this gets at my theme this morning, the theme, uh, difference between religion or religiosity and real faith in God. We all know people who go to church who do not show the love of Jesus. We know people who know scriptures but who sometimes use it as a weapon. Real prayer and real faith is not religious. It is from the heart. It's honest. It's real. I've had the privilege of writing about two men, Wilberforce and Bonhoeffer, whose lives illustrate the difference between what mere religiosity and actually knowing and serving God is. Let me first quickly tell you personally how I came to see the difference between these two utterly different things. Okay, first of all, I'm the son of European immigrants who met in an English class in New York City in 1956. And I thank the Lord that my parents are in the room this morning. Don't, please don't get up. My, uh, my dad is Greek, hence my surname Metaxas. My mom is German, hence my deep love for Siegfried and Roy. Thank you. Thank you. Now, when you're raised Greek, uh, when, when you have one Greek parent, you're raised Greek. Forget about the German stuff, okay? Greeks, <laughs> Greeks believe that being Greek is the most important thing in the world. Now, I'm 50% Greek, but I've always tried to be more than 50% Greek, but I've never been able to, to break the 50% barrier a little bit like Brother Mitt. Um, I, I thought you might like that. Good. Um, I grew up, of course, in the Greek Orthodox Church. I was an altar boy. Um, had a modicum of faith, mostly nominal cultural uh, faith. Uh, I thought of myself as, as a Christian. But then I went to Yale University. Of course, that's the dream come true for every son of working class European 
uh, immigrants, but the reality is that Yale and most of our universities, but especially Yale, is a very secular place, aggressively secular. What little modicum of faith I had was seriously challenged. Uh, the idea of God really uh, is ignored or even sneered at. By the time I graduated, I was quite sure um, that it was wrong to be serious about the Bible or to take Jesus seriously, that it was hopelessly parochial and divisive. I wasn't sure what was supposed to replace it, but uh, I was confused. I, I guess I was lost. I wanted to be a writer. I was not terribly successful. I floundered, then I drifted, <clears throat> then, I, then I floundered some more, and then I drifted and floundered together, uh, which you think is easy. Uh, eventually things got so bad I moved back in with my parents, which I do not recommend. I specifically... <laughs> I specifically don't recommend moving in with my parents. Um, I joke, I joke, but it was, a, it was in fact a very tough time for me. I, uh, I I'm, I'm being serious now. Uh, I, suffered, uh, I, I suffered then, during that period, from real, uh, you know, genuine depression. I still uh, struggle with that. This was a really painful, soul-searching uh, time in my life. Very, very painful. Um, I took a really depressing job, which my parents forced me to take, thank you very much. Uh, and while I was at this job, this miserable job, thank you mom and dad, um, thank you, you want to, yeah, uh, I, uh, I met a man of some faith, and he begins to share his faith with me, the secular Yale uh, agnostic, um, and uh, I was in enough pain that I was willing to listen a little bit to what he had to say. He was an Episcopalian, I figured it's safe, they don't really believe that stuff anyway, so, you know, what do you... Hey, please, please. And um, so I said, yeah, you, you can keep talking. But he turned out to be one of those Episcopalians who actually believed this stuff and uh, knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And I was really challenged. We would have a lot of conversations. Um, I was not ready to accept what he was saying, not ready to pray or have a Bible study or go to church or become a weird, born-again Christian like many of you. Um, not ready. But I was in enough pain to keep listening. Uh, this friend of mine said to me that, you know, I should pray that God would reveal himself to me which seemed absurd because I thought, I don't know if he's there, so I don't really want to pray to the oxygen in the room. Uh, to whom shall I pray uh, if he's not there? It was, it's a conundrum, you see. But sometimes you're in enough pain, and I was, uh, to do silly things. And I did pray, and I, and I said in my anguish, and it was very real anguish, I said, God, if you are there, please reveal yourself to me. Punch a hole through the sheetrock. Wave to me. Say hello. Show yourself to me. I was desperate. Every now and again, I would pray that prayer. I'd be jogging. I'd pray that prayer. God, help me. I need help. Um, it was an honest prayer, and prayers come from a place of honesty, not religiosity. If you can say, help me, Lord, God hears that prayer. Then one night, around my 25th birthday during this time, I had a dream. We don't have time to go into it this morning, but it was an amazing dream. Uh, I'm not making this up. If you want to hear uh, the story of this amazing dream, you can go to my website, which is just my name. If you can spell it, it's ericmetaxas.com. If you can't spell it, it's still ericmetaxas.com. And um, because it's an amazing thing and it changed my life. God came into my life. Jesus um, came into my life. And uh, it's all true except for the part about the UFO and the Sasquatch, which I, I made up. Um, but seriously, watch that uh, if you don't mind because it really happened. It's not made up. Um, and when God came into my life overnight and answered that prayer, I, I wondered, why hadn't I heard this before? Why did I have to suffer not knowing? Why? Why? And I, I think part of the reason is that I had rejected a phony religious idea of God. 
Not God as he really is, because when I encountered God as he really is, I knew that is what my heart is longing for. That is the answer. He is the answer to my pain and all my questions. He's real, and he loves me despite everything I've done. He's not some moral code. He's not some energy force. He's alive. He's a person. He knows everything about me and about you. He knows my story. He knows your story, every detail. He knows your deepest fears. He knows the terrible, selfish things you have done that have hurt others. And he still loves you. And he knows the hurt that others have caused you. He, he knows us. He's alive. He's not a joy-killing bummer or some moralistic church lady. He is the most wonderful person, capital P, imaginable. In fact, his name is Wonderful. Now, who would reject that? So at that point, I realized everything I had rejected about God was actually not God. It was just dead religion. It was phoniness. It was people who go to church and do not show the love of Jesus. It was people who know the Bible and use it as a weapon, people who don't practice what they preach, people who are indifferent to the poor and suffering, people who use religion as a way to exclude others from their group, people who use religion as a way to judge others. I had rejected that, but guess what? Jesus had also rejected that. He had railed against that and called people to real life and real faith. Jesus was and is the enemy of dead religion. Jesus came. That's true. That is true. That's not a point of view. That is true. He came to deliver us from that. He railed against the religious leaders of his day because he knew that it was all just a front that in their hearts they were far from God, his Father. When he was tempted in the desert, who was the one throwing Bible verses at him? Satan. That is a perfect picture of dead religion, using the words of God to do the opposite of what God does. It's grotesque when you think about it. It's demonic. That summer, as I came to faith, uh, the guy who shared his faith with me, Ed Tuttle, gave me a copy of The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he asked me if I'd ever heard of Bonhoeffer, and I said no. And he said, oh, well, Bonhoeffer was a pastor who, because of his faith in Jesus, stood up for the Jews of Europe. I was shocked. I was shocked. My mother is German. She grew up during this period. Why had I never heard this amazing story about Bonhoeffer before? I remember thinking, somebody really ought to write a book about Bonhoeffer. I was not interested in writing biographies. I'm far too self-centered to spend that much time focusing on someone besides myself. Uh, I went on to have a strange career, children's books. I wrote humor for the New York Times. Uh, I worked for Veggie Tales. Yes, Veggie Tales, thank you. Oh yeah, I knew. Oh yeah, yeah, now you're listening. And then I wanted to share my faith and I wrote a book with a ridiculous title, Everything You Always Want to Know About God But We're Afraid to Ask. Um, Actually, it's now a trilogy, three books. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a trilogy. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And uh, one day I found myself being interviewed on CNN about this book, and I was expecting one of those tough, you know, questions like, how can a good God allow evil and suffering? But instead I got a softball question. The, the, the host on CNN said to me, you know, there's something in here about Wilberforce. And I had like two sentences in the book about Wilberforce. Uh, can you talk about that? And uh, suddenly I'm on CNN being asked to talk about Wilberforce. Um, all I knew about Wilberforce was in the book, was that he was someone who took the Bible so seriously that he changed the world forever. So I start talking about him briefly, and next thing I know, a publisher calls me up and says, oh yeah, there's a movie coming out called Amazing Grace. Um, now I'm sure you know the song Amazing Grace. Yeah, we'll, we'll sing it later. But um, 
I, I, I didn't write the song. I just want to be clear. It was written by, it was written by the fabulous Mr. Tony Bennett. Is he here? No. Um, but seriously, I was asked to write a book about Wilberforce. Amazingly, I wrote a biography about Wilberforce. And everywhere I'd go talking about Wilberforce, people would say to me, who are you going to write about next? Who are you going to write about next? Some people asked me, about whom will you next write? As a Yale English major, I want to recommend the word whom. Uh, if, if English is your first language, and some of you in here, it's your first language, you may want to use the word whom. It's, you can get it free as an app on your iPhone. You just download it. You use it as much as you want. Um, Eric, about whom will you next write? And I thought, well, there is only one person besides Wilberforce, only one about whom I would write if I were to write a second biography. I remembered Bonhoeffer. And of course, I did write that book. And I have to tell you, nobody's more shocked by the reception of the book than I. No one is more grateful to the Lord uh, for the people who are reading and talking about this book. I know that it was read uh, even uh, by President George W. Bush, who's intellectually incurious, as we've all read. He read the book. N no pressure. I, I just... I just want to say, no pressure. No. I know, I know, I know you're very busy, Mr. President. But I know sometimes you're you take plane rides and you got time to kill. So here, I, I gotta, I gotta. just think, no pressure, no pressure at all, no pressure at all. Who am I to pressure you? Um, nonetheless, the lives of both of these men illustrate the difference between phony religiosity and really believing in God in a way that is real, that changes your life, that must change your life, and the lives of others. Now, Wilberforce, of course, is best known for leading the movement to end the slave trade. Now, why did he take that on? Do you know why? I'm here to tell you it's not because he was just a churchgoer, because there were plenty of churchgoers in England in the day of Wilberforce, and everybody in that day seemed to have no problem with the slave trade or slavery, people who went to church. The reason Wilberforce fought so hard was because around his 26th birthday, he encountered Jesus, really. England paid lip service to religion in those days. Everybody said, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm English. Yeah, we're, we're Christians. Uh, but they really seem to think, most of them, that the slave trade was a fine thing. So keep in mind that when someone says, I am a Christian, it might mean absolutely nothing. But for Wilberforce, it became real. It was not about Christianity. It was about the living God and serving him. And Wilberforce suddenly took the Bible seriously, that all of us are created in the image of God. He took this idea seriously, that it was our duty to care for the least of these. And he said, Lord... I will obey. Now, he fought politically. He fought hard. And you know, the only people really fighting with him at this point were the fanatical Christians. Did you know that? All the churchgoers, all the religious people, they were not alongside him. Who was alongside him in those days? The born-again nuts, the Quakers, the Methodists that people made fun of, they were in the trenches because they knew they had no choice but to regard the Africans as made in the image of God and worthy of our love and respect. Everyone else was just going with the flow. All the people who just went to church, as I say, they got it wrong. They had not seen Jesus. Wilberforce took these ideas, these foreign ideas from the Bible, 
and brought them into culture. And you can read about it, not just in my book, which the president may read, uh, but you can read about it. This is historical fact. This is not my spin. This is true. Wilberforce, because he believed what the Bible said and because he obeyed what God told him to do, he changed the world. Today, think of this, my friends. Today, we argue about how to help the poor. Some say, oh, the public sector, government is the answer. Others say the private sector, free enterprise. But today, we argue about how to help the poor, not whether to help the poor. Praise the Lord. The idea to care for the poor, the idea that slavery is wrong, these ideas are not normal human ideas. These are biblical ideas imported by Wilberforce at a crucial time. Human beings do not do the right thing apart from God's intervention. We always do the phony religious thing. We go with the flow. In Wilberforce's day, going with the flow meant supporting slavery, that Africans are not fully human. In Bonhoeffer's world, in Nazi Germany, it meant supporting the idea that Jews are not fully human. So whom do we say is not fully human today? Who is expendable to us? Please discuss amongst yourselves. Thank you. <laughs> but back to Nazi Germany. Folks, this was a moment ago. My mother lived through this. There are people in this room who lived through this. This is a moment ago. I was in Germany last week. I met people who lived through this period. It was an extraordinary thing to be there, to meet people who, who were the sons of heroes fighting against Hitler. This was a moment ago that this horror happened. Now, if you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, let me say very briefly, Bonhoeffer was born uh, in 1906, uh, actually on February 4th. That's two days from now, and it's two days after my wife's birthday. <laughs> now, she begged me not to mention that her birthday was today, but, but honey, would you, would you please stand up, please? <laughs> Sweetie, don't be shy, come on, please. She's, see how shy, she's so shy, she hates the public eye. I'm sorry. You sure you don't want to stand? Sweetie pie, come up for me. On your birthday? All right. Back to Bonhoeffer. All right, I tried. Um, Bonhoeffer was born into an amazing family. His father was the most famous psychiatrist in Germany. This was a big, important, amazing family. At 14, he announces he wants to be a theologian. He got his doctorate at age 21. Anybody here get their doctorate at 21? Uh, I'm waiting. No? Me either. Uh, although I just began work a week ago, uh, just started work on my honorary doctorate. Thank you. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Bonhoeffer was a great theologian, but he decided in the midst of being a great theologian that he wanted to get ordained as a Lutheran pastor. And then one day at age 24, he went to America to spend a year in New York City where I live with my wife and daughter. And he went to study at Union Theological Seminary. But one Sunday, a fellow student named Frank Fisher, an African-American from Alabama, invited Dietrich Bonhoeffer to Harlem to a church called Abyssinian Baptist Church. He says, why don't you come with me? And Bonhoeffer went with him. And for the first time in his life, in that church, he saw something that was clearly not mere 
phony religion. He saw people worshiping a living God. He saw people who understood suffering and whose worship was real. Bonhoeffer said that in New York, in America, he did not hear the gospel proclaimed. Think of this. He visited many, many churches. He did not hear the gospel proclaimed, except in his words, in the Negro churches. That was the only place he saw the true gospel. He saw true faith, living faith, people living it, preaching the gospel of Jesus, living the gospel of Jesus. He saw this among the suffering in Harlem, and it changed his life. When he got back to Germany, people could see that he was different. He wasn't intellectually different, but his heart had been changed. He began to speak publicly about the Bible as the Word of God, the living Word of God through which God, who is alive, wishes to speak to us. So he understood from the black church in Harlem the idea of a personal faith, that God is alive and wishes to speak to you. Of course, it had a political uh, uh, component because now it's 1932, the Nazis are rising. Bonhoeffer begins to say things that you would not hear in Germany, even in the churches in those days. He spoke of Jesus as the man for others. He said, whoever does not stand up for the Jews has no right to sing Gregorian chants. God is not fooled. His whole life was about this idea that you have to have a living relationship with God and that it must lead you to action, that you must obey God, that you will look different. Now, of course, dead religion demonizes others. I just said that. And apart from God's intervention, that is what we do. So don't think that you won't do that. You will do that. We are broken, fallen human beings. Apart from God, that's what we do. We don't think that we're better than the Germans. You think you're better than the Germans in that era? You're not. Not in God's eyes, you're not. We're the same. We're capable of the same horrible things. Wilberforce somehow saw what the people in his day didn't see, and we celebrate him for it. Bonhoeffer saw what others did not see, and we celebrate him for it. Now, how did they see what they saw? There's just one word that will answer that. It's Jesus. He opens our ideas, our eyes, to his ideas, which are different from our own, which are radical. Now, personally, I would say the same thing about the unborn, that apart from God, apart from God, we cannot see that they are persons as well. So those of us who know the unborn to be human beings are commanded by God to love those who do not yet see that. We need to know, we need to know that apart from God, we would be on the other side of that divide fighting for what we believe is right. We cannot demonize our enemies. Today, if you believe abortion is wrong, you must treat those on the other side with the love of Jesus. Today, if you have a biblical view of sexuality, you will be demonized by those on the other side who will call you a bigot. Jesus commands us to love those who call us bigots, to show them the love of Jesus. If you want people to treat you with dignity, treat them with dignity. So finally, Jesus tells us that we must love our enemies. That, my friends, is the real difference between dead religion and a living faith in the God of the scriptures, whether we can love our enemies. Wilberforce had political enemies, but he knew that God had commanded him to treat them with civility. He knew that he had been saved by grace. He was not morally superior to the people on the other side of the aisle. Martin Luther King told the people on the buses that you must not fight back. You must be willing to turn the other cheek. 
or get off the bus. Branch Ricky told Jackie Robinson, if you want to win the battle, you need to do as Jesus commanded and be strong enough to not fight back. That is how your enemies will know that there is someone, capital S, standing behind you, that it's not just you. So if you can see Jesus in your enemy, in your enemy, then you can know that you are seeing with God's eyes and not your own. So can you love your enemy? If you cannot pray for those on the other side, if you cannot actually feel the love of God for your enemies, political and otherwise, my friends, that's a sure sign that you are being merely religious, that you have bought into a moral system, but you do not know the God who has forgiven you. Only God can give us that supernatural agape love for those with whom we disagree. That's the test. It is an impossible standard apart from the grace of God. We all fail that test, but thank God for the grace of God. The grace of God is real. God wants to shed it abroad in every heart, not just on some, on every heart. It is the only thing, the grace of the living God, that can bring left and right together to do the right thing. So can we humble ourselves enough to actually ask him in a real prayer to show himself to us, to lead us to do what is right? Can we do that for our country, for the world? This is a Bonhoeffer moment. If we will humble ourselves, ask God, cry out, creed occur, cry from the heart, Lord, lead us. Will you ask him to help you? The amazing grace of God, the amazing grace of God is there for everyone. You know, Jesus is not just for so-called Christians. Jesus is for everyone. For everyone. And the grace of God is for everyone. I hope you know that. When I was uh, 21 years old, uh, I worked at the Boston Opera House. And Garrison Keillor showed up. And he gave a talk. And at the end of his talk, um, he asked the audience if the audience wanted to sing. They, they didn't. <laughs> but he made them anyway. Uh, he led them in a, a song called Amazing Grace. And that a cappella rendition has stuck with me my whole life. And I thought, maybe someday I'll get some people to do that. Not today, of course. But then I thought, you know, if, if, if the president can sing Al Green, <laughs> then maybe you can sing with him. So we're going to try this. If it goes well, I'll leave with my head up. You ready? If you don't know the lyrics, pretend that you do. I want to hear harmonies. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but Whoa.
God bless you. So that was uh, Eric Metaxas uh, at the National Prayer Breakfast, uh, the President's Prayer Breakfast, uh, that last year around this time. So what did you think, my dear? Well, you know, I think he had some good points. Um, it was definitely very entertaining and thought-provoking, and it doesn't really matter what I think. I like to hear what our listeners think. That would be good to hear what you thought yeah. about the presentation. Um, if you want to grab Eric's book, you can. You can go on to the Kindle store and get it, or you can uh, order the book from Amazon. I'm sure it's in other places, too. But he also has a website, ericmetaxas.com. It's easy to find. I and think it would be interesting to, to listen to the biographies that he talked about on yeah. you know, my yeah. um, Kindle or not Kindle. On my iPhone. My sure. If they, I don't know if they're in audio, but I would imagine they are. Probably. If they're on the, he's a New York Best Time seller, so I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and our library is really good. Um, I should look him up on our OverDrive app for the that the library has. Cool. Yeah. So the book is called Eric Metaxas, No Pressure, Mr. President: The Power of True Belief in a Time of Crisis. Mm-hmm. And it has the full text of the National Prayer Breakfast address and the story behind it. Very good stuff. Yeah. So what he talked about was really kind of the the heart of what our podcast is all about. And um, so I don't know, you know, what you got out of it by listening, but we would love to hear from you. You can write to us, Amy at takehimwithyou.com or Rick at takehimwithyou.com. We've been really short on the feedback again lately. It's like I wonder, is anybody listening? Are you out there? <laughs> is anybody? Hello, hello, hello. That, that's the one thing that's... Oh, Are you please, there? Please don't do that. That hurts. Um, that's the one thing that's hard about podcasting is it seems like, our listeners know all about us, but we don't really know much about we know a little bit. Some people, but um, that reach out to us and start nice talking. It'd be nice to have a two-way conversation <coughs> instead of a one-way. So we love yeah. to hear from you. We do. Mm-hmm. So please, please get a hold of us. Yes. you can always visit our website at takehimwithyou.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and we and our Facebook pages. Yeah. Um, Rick Moyer. Facebook.com forward slash Rick.Moyer uh-huh. or Facebook.com forward slash Amy.Moyer. Right. Yeah. And they can get a hold of us. So let me say a quick prayer for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. And then we will uh, 
we'll get out of here and we'll let you get back to your life. All right. Okay. Lord, thank you for each and every person that listened to the podcast today. And we, we would ask that you would continue just to help each one of us to be all that you've created us to be. Uh, Lord, if there's anybody hurting or or sad today, we pray that you would comfort them and that you would help them be happy again. Uh, Lord, we pray that if there's situations going on that are out of our control, that you would be the one in control and take care of those for us. Uh, we also ask, God, that... Um, that we wouldn't be living a dead, stale religion, but we would have a true relationship with you. And uh, I know that looks a lot of different ways uh, for each different person, but but you know what you know what our heart is, God, and and we want to know you better. That's our prayer, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Next week we'll be back with another exciting episode. Uh, take him with you. Very good, dear. Same bat channel, same bat time. This has been a Moyer Multimedia LLC production. Copyright 2013. <laughs>my name is al and i'm joyce and we're, we're huge, huge disneyland, disneyland fans. fans in fact we love the disneyland resort so much we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others that's right on our show tales from the mouse house disneyland podcast we share current resort news some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your disneyland resort vacation the most magical experience ever we uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. So after our great friends Rick and Amy have enlightened you on their awesome podcast, Take Him With You, why not give us a listen? You'll be happy you did. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. day.